0: Welcome fans to another edition of the Cheap Heat Productions Wrestling Podcast. My name is Jack Kilby, Executive Vice President of Great North Wrestling. And tonight I'm pleased to have on a man who is not only an ECW original, but has uh, quite a number of interesting stories from his career in the military. But uh, notwithstanding all of that, he is a definite... ECW original, a man who knows about the time frame of ECW when he was there. A particular interest of mine. I want to welcome Chili Willie. Chili, thanks Yo. for
1: coming on. Thank you for having me. Jack. Thank you for having me. Great. To w- be what here. time is it there? Who is eight? Wait, I, I can't see my time clock. What time is? It? What, time is it? what time is it there? Seven. What seven time 52. you got there? Eight.
0: Yeah, seven eight fifty-two.
1: Yeah, yeah, seven fifty-two in the morning. So it's a 12-hour 12, 12 difference.
0: Yes, thanks thanks very much for uh coming on at this at uh, this early hour.
1: Thank what i would like to
0: start, start off with is is the fans are interested in in uh you know your particular background as a fan. And the last time we spoke, I know you had mentioned that that you indeed were uh, were a fan of professional wrestling back in the day and if you could uh let the fans know exactly what that entails, that would be great.
1: Yeah, yeah, back in the day, man. Ooh, like I said, well, my last interview, uh, if you if you tuned in or whatever, um, I, I started out being a fan back in the 70s, late, late 70s. I was young. I was a young kid, eight years old, nine, year, nine years old, you know, watching Ric Flair, uh, Mid-Atlantic NWA, you know, with Flair and Ricky Steamboat was in it, you know, and uh, things like that. Wahoo McDaniels, and um, you know. So that's that's what really got me into pro wrestling as a young kid, you know, and then um, also watching WWF at the time, you know, Bob Backlund, Pedro Morales, Don Morocco, uh, Tony Atlas, you know, guys like that. Um, so so both the North and the South on the East Coast, that's what I was watching, you know, Jim Crockett promotions and then uh, WWF at the time. Um, and that's what really got me going in, in, in pro wrestling. Um, I thought it was something uh, I, I can't use the, the F word, but I thought I, I I thought it was something that was you know like boxing, like like fighting, you know, and, and real. I'm just gonna go say that. I just thought it was mm-hmm. really real, you know. And I believed that for years, you know. I was like, wow, you know, and and those guys were like superheroes to me. You know then some of the guys were villains, you know, Jesse, Jesse Ventura, and, and, and guys like that. And 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 so, um, it was just something that intrigued me when I was a young kid. You know, that's just something I, I really really wanted to do. Um, I had ne- I have never seen anything like it, you know, um, you know, growing up watching you know Batman and Robin and things like that, uh, as a kid. And then here you go. You, you actually see these guys, they're wearing tights, and I'm thinking, hold on, <laughs> they're wearing tights, you know. It was like, it's you know, no one was wearing a cape, but you know, guys, guys were coming out like Rick Flair with robes on and things like that. And the way he talked, you know, it was like, uh, it just made you believe that he he could actually do what he was that he said he was going to do. And, and, and growing up as a young kid, you know, small, skinny, I was you know, I was, I was scared of a lot of things and um, he just, it was just like, even though he was a heel at that time, it was like wow, sorry my dog he was, it was just, you know um, he, he, he just made you believe and then it was like that he could do what he actually said he was going to do, mm-hmm. even though he was a bad mm-hmm. guy and then on the flip side, when I would go and I would watch WWF and watch like guys like Bob Backley, who was mild-mannered, but he was a champion for a long time. You know, him, mm-hmm. Pedro Morales, and guys like that, they were like, you know, uh, not as boisterous, but could get in there and just go, go, they could just go, you know, and I was like, you know, wow, this, that's just something I want to do, and, and uh, it just took me a while to do it, but I finally did it, <laughs> thank God.
0: Yeah, in in terms of, uh, I know this is difficult because you just laid out a, a wide spectrum of of uh, you know folks that 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 you watched and, and admired. But if you could uh, boil that down to uh, a single uh, wrestler that uh, put that that seed in your your mind that I want to do this for a living, could you do
1: that? Yeah, it was Ric Flair, and and like I said, but because because I grew up. I grew up in New Jersey with my grandmother and my mom, and my brothers lived in North Carolina. So during the summertime, you know, I would go back and forth and, uh, you know, and sometimes I would go to North Carolina and then during the fall, I would be in New Jersey uh, in school, you know, for school. So whenever I go to North Carolina, I would watch, like I said, the, the NWA. And who stood, there was a lot of guys there who, who I love, who I liked but well, who stood out to, to me the most with Ric Flair. But when I was in New Jersey, who stood out to me the most was probably, was probably between Bob Backlund and, you know, Snuka or Pedro Morales or something like that. But definitely in, in North Carolina, Ric Flair stood out. Even though he was a heel, he, he, he just stood out. It was just, it was just you know, I'm, I'm going to go a little bit – I'm, I'm, I'm all over the place. But here, like 2023 um, – You know, you have these guys out here like L.A. Knight doing his thing, you know what I mean? And, you know, he gets flack from from people, you know, talking about how he was like imitation of The Rock and and Stone Cold. Well, you got to go way back. I mean, because Flair was doing that back in the 70s. I mean, people talk about The Rock and they talk about Stone Cold, how they could, you know, talk on the mic. But that's the younger generation who don't really who probably didn't even know or never even watched NWA. I mean, yeah, NWA Mid-Atlantic back in the day. Um, and and I'm telling you, Flair was flamboyant and he could rock the microphone. He would make you think that he would knock you out, I mean, just just by being on television. I mean, he was just flashy, you know, and, and, and he was. To me, at that time, in the 70s, I'm talking 78, 79, 80, I mean, he was the rock then. He was mm-hmm. a stone cold then. You mm-hmm. know, um, Not even Hogan, not even Hogan when he came in the game could could talk like that. You know what I mean? Hogan, yeah, he had the... But Flair was like, if you saw him in a bar, and he, the, the way he talked would be like, that's how he would talk in a bar before he mm-hmm. got drunk or while he got drunk. So... It 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 was just I was just like mesmerized, you know, as a kid because he he, he kind of talked to you like almost like a, 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 a if your father was gonna tell you he's gonna whoop you behind, he, that's how Flair would talk. You know, mm-hmm. you better you you. I'm telling you right now, <laughs> he, he he would he would like go from zero to a hundred like in a second, and it's like, oh man, you know this guy, and and so he was the one really that really, um, out of all the wrestlers that I've seen on television, he was the one that stuck out to me. Like that's that. I want to be like that guy right here. <laughs> mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely can relate. Uh, in terms of his, um, last match last year, what, what were your thoughts on, uh, that, um, that, uh, well, I'm not, I'm not going to say the, the performance because um, that that I think was um, you know universally agreed that it was it was unfortunate but the fact that that uh, he chose to have a quote-unquote mm-hmm. last match at such a, an advanced age and physical uh, state
1: well I didn't really see it um, I heard about it or whatever um, you know wrestling this is uh, it's a drug to us. You know what I mean. Once you get in it, it, it is literally like a drug. You cannot stop doing it. You know what I mean. You don't want to stop, um, even if, if even if the you know promotions or promoters has been bad to you or whatever. You just want to get in there, and perform in front of the crowd. You want that's it. it. Once it gets in your blood, man, I'm telling you, it's like it's just like being on the drug. So I can understand his his motivation for, for wanting to do it and keep wanting to do it um you know i thought the, the match that he had with sean michaels should have been his last mm-hmm. you know what i mean that mm-hmm. to me was it that was done mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. but like i said once you're if you're a wrestler you, you would not unless you're a wrestler really in the ring and doing it you would never really know how it feels to, to just keep going you know um and so yeah, he probably should have stopped a long time ago, but I understand. You know, for being being a champion and being on top for as long as he's been, bro, that that guy, I mean, I don't know him personally. I don't know what he's like outside the ring or anything like that. Um, but you cannot you cannot just set things down or just stop doing what you're doing with being on top that long. Like I said. We're talking 1978 when I first started seeing him wrestle. Um, I don't know mm. exactly the day he started wrestling, but I know it was in the 70s. So 72,
0: I think. Yeah, yeah. So you,
1: mm. I mean, come on, that's a long time of working, brother, and 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 still be on top. In in a sense, he's been on top every everywhere he's been. Ric player has been on top, and so. um yeah, it's kind of hard to be, you know, to sit down. It's like being a king, I guess. You know, you it's kind of hard to just, you know, give up your throne. <laughs> but he should have done it. Like I said, he should have done it when he when he wrestled Strong Michael. That was it, you know. But you know, it is what it is.
0: So, so you 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 had this uh, very solid uh, background as a fan. You you had the you know the benefit of of seeing the the major promotions at the time. You you make the decision to pursue wrestling but you 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 were in athletic pursuits uh, prior to that and doing some some actual um re- legitimate fighting etc etc hmm. what what uh was the the i would say the if if you could talk about your training process and how that uh, how that came about what what would you say would be the most um you know I'm not going to say interesting, but engaging part of your training that would stand out to say how it's done today at the performance center, or to to take an example.
1: You mean as a as a shoot fighter or just pro wrestler? For for wrestling. Ah, uh, um. Well, like I was trained by by C.W. Anderson, and then there's another guy who also helped train me, uh, Gary Simone. So it was a. It wasn't long. It wasn't a long process going into training. Um, my, my actual first time I stepped in the ring was in Fallsboro, New Jersey uh, at, the, at the Monster Factory. Uh, and that was like on a tryout basis that one night, I got in the ring for like 15 minutes, and that was it. But it wasn't until I went to the, 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 the power plant in 96 to try it out for those three days. But then when I got to actually train with C.W. Anderson, um, the training, it was, it, I mean, it was hard. It was, it was hard training, the bumping, um, learning the ins and outs of, of, of you know, uh, the strikes, you know, uh, because you have to learn those. Um, there's those you just don't go in and just start knocking jokers out, you know what I mean? Then you're known as being stiff, which I was known as being stiff a little bit. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was just I I don't know. It was just something that um, you know I was a bouncer for a long time before I started wrestling. Um, I had gotten some fights, but not a lot, not a lot of fights, you know. But it, it was just it was learning that that part of it is hard. It's, it's kind of hard, you know, and making it look like you know it's, it's a real thing that you're supposed to do um because i i always say man wrestlers wrestlers we we, we, we are like fighting clowns you know what i mean um i had to say that you know <laughs> we're not really doing this like the real ufc or boxing like that because we got to go back out the next night and do the same thing over and over again um there are some of us that can actually legitimately fight and then there's some of us that can't you know what i mean but when you see us perform, um, we're all supposed to look like we can go, you know, like we can really, we can do it. You know, when I used to train my students here in, in the Philippines, I told them, look, you got to make it look real. You got to make it look real. Your, your body has to, to to look like a wrestler. It should look like a wrestler, you know, growing up. And and, and I see guys, you know, big guys, Snooker, Tony Atlas, Rocky Johnson, those guys. There were some big guys, you know, I mean, even d- guys like Don Morocco. Big, but you wouldn't. You don't hardly see those guys now in, 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 that look like that in pro wrestling, um, and that makes it the illusion of it makes it look like, oh, a big cause you wouldn't want to mess with those guys, you know what I mean? And and so the training part of it, also, you you really should know how to take a take a bump, you know what I mean? Take a headlock. Learn some 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 shoot wrestling you know um it's gonna help you it would help you um so uh cw taught he taught he taught us that and um and did some of the things that he didn't teach because he had, he left to go to ecw you know you just learn on the fly with other wrestlers you know um and that's the part of it you know you're, you're only as good as your other opponent allows you to be so um it's, it's not a thing where i'm the bestest you know you you're only good because that other person knows how to sell or knows how to the timing of of, of, of the of the match or, 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 or know when this is coming and how to execute that so that training all of that timing um knowing where to put the things are you know knowing the psychology of it all of that plays a big part in pro wrestling
0: yeah and that was that was kind of my uh long-winded uh circuitous point do you, no. do you feel <laughs> that yeah. that your your focus on uh learning um, to to make it look legitimate and a, an actual combat but not actually of course doing that do, do you think that the business and, and not speaking about smaller players uh, organizations or facilities but do you think the business has has suffered at least at in the major organizations by kind of abandoning that that you picked up no doubt in your training that realism
1: yeah yeah i think you know for is like anything else it, it really should be licensed you know in all states you know um just because you even me, just because I've been a wrestler or whatever, um, I still think that it should be licensed far as should be taught by someone who's, who's been there, you know, and not just a person that maybe had a couple of matches and did, or just someone who never had a match, just woke up one day because maybe he has some money or she has some money and it's like, oh, I want to start a wrestling promotion. And then they said, "Dad, Mom, you know, uh, can we put a ring up in our garage and you know, we just start, you know, teaching and and a lot of people have done that. And I think I think that that kind of really messes up the the performance of of of, of, of you know what we do. And, and you know, it's like you just can't wake up and say, well, well, you could, you could wake up and say, well, I'm going to be a UFC fighter. And then you get out there, never been taught, and get out there and get." get it get your ass you know what i mean i mean literally get slayed you know and so i think the same thing goes with wrestling um you really need to i i I think it just it should be licensed you know and and it should be taught by true true professionals you know just Mm -hmm. that's just me that's just my opinion um and when i did it it was like you know um I enjoyed teaching, but I knew I had some experience. You know, going from uh, ECW, then going to um, Ohio Valley uh, Wrestling, um, being contracted by WWE. Um, so I had a little bit experience. You know, I don't have a lot. I don't, I'm not like a big guru or whatever, but I do have a little bit experience of pro wrestling, and I think I I think that I could get a person from zero. To probably you know, ninety nine, hundred, you know, just to get into that door of pro wrestling, uh, but it's it's a hard thing. It's it's not an easy task, and it needs to be taught well and taught right. I think, especially the psychology of it. That's the thing, the psychology of it.
0: Absolutely. You you mentioned you were trained by C W Anderson. Mm-hmm. You you did some work. You also to start out and uh, were with uh, omega for a while the hardy uh promotion
1: and then sorry no 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 i i only worked with omega maybe once okay only yeah, one yeah, yeah maybe once or twice i didn't that wasn't on because they're like on the they're like a, farther away from us on the east coast of of, of uh, north carolina they, they're more like in the i don't know it just took a while to get there so i didn't i didn't really wrestle for them that much um uh, when I was when I was coming up or whatever, and their uh, promotion had just started well when I kind of got into ECW. So it was like maybe once or twice I think I wrestled with them. So, yeah. But I know them well. I know them.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So then, so then can you tell the fans about how you made the initial foray into ECW and – whether you have any uh, notable uh, interactions with uh, Mr. Paul heyman mm.
1: Yes, it, like I was wrestling on the indies in North Carolina, in the Raleigh Durham area. Uh we were wrestle for uh a promotion called SCW at the time. Uh Count Grog, that's that's the promoter. Uh, Greg Grov. Uh, he's still living in Raleigh. I think he still promotes. Uh, it's called Gals Wrestling now. If anybody wanted to look it up, but back then, uh, he he was he was doing a lot of bar shows in Raleigh, North Carolina. And we you have guys coming like the Hardys, Shane Helms, Lodi, um, C Dub. Um, you know, all of us, Joey Mercury, Christine York. Um, Would come in there and and they would wrestle. Well, when I started uh, wrestling, kind of got, you know, pushed in the mix with that that crew a little bit. But those guys started taking off, like the Hardy started taking off the WWE and, and, and places like that. And so we would just wrestle a lot for SCW. And at the time, CW, when he was training me, when he got his when he left to go to ECW, um one night particularly him and, and Steve Carino, they came, they came to one of the shows in Durham and uh was wrestling there. He talked to me, he said, yo, you know, we should bring you up to ECW, just check it out and you know, hang out. And that's how it started. And uh, they took me out uh somewhere, I think it was Asheville, North Carolina, and so ECW show and then up in uh Baltimore or Washington, I'm not, not sure what exactly. And kind of tried out there. I, that's that's how I, I, I really got into ECW. It was one day uh right before the show started, uh, doing workouts and um, saw Paul Heyman sit there, sitting down with Tommy Dreamer, and I was in the ring with somebody and um he messed up. This guy, this guy he messed up, he did something wrong. I kind of yelled at him, you know, not trying to blow him up or anything like that. It was just that he messed up the spot or something. And uh, I didn't want to look, you know, like I didn't know what I was doing. So <laughs> uh, I kind of yelled at him, kind of kind of got some heat on him a little bit. Uh, this was legitimate shoot heat, you know what I mean? And so after we calmed down and everything, uh, Tommy pulled me aside, and they, they tried me out for one night. Did a, a dark match, I think with Julio Julio De Niro, mm. and they liked it, and so uh, there was the guys, the Baldy, you know Angel and the uh, Vito, Those guys they wanted to get off the ring crew, so uh, they were looking for some they were looking for some new some new meat to, <laughs> to to get on the ring crew, and so Tommy, you know, that's how he you know uh, introduced me to getting into ECW. Didn't really meet Paul. I think I met him that night, I think a little bit, but not a lot. The, the, the conversation was very minimal. Uh but nice, he was very he was nice to me and everything. Uh, but I think he was dealing with other things, you know, of course, you know big big time wrestlers, like, you know, Rob Van Dam, Sandman, all those guys. Uh and so it kinda it was just more interaction with Tommy Dreamer. And so he was the go between, I think. And, and uh, that's how I got on. That's how, that's, that's how I got on was working with the ring crew and wrestling. And that was it, you know, put it in my uh,
0: dues. <laughs> absolutely. Mr. Unknown uh, wants to know, skipping ahead a bit, what was it like teaming with Balls Mahoney, the late great Balls? And what did you learn from him?
1: Mm, balls, man. Awesome, funny guy. Um, good friend. Uh, I wasn't intimidated by him at all. Um, that was one thing when I went to ECW, I really wasn't intimidated by anyone. Um, New Jack kind of wasn't intimidated, but I was kind of like, <laughs> but balls, uh, took to me. Uh, when Paul put us together, um, I don't know exactly when the exact day or night that he put us together, um, but uh. He he was just a fun guy in and out the ring, you know, more so out the ring. He was really like a big teddy bear kid, kid like guy. You know, in the ring, uh, he knew his stuff, uh, he knew where things needed to go. Um I knew how to I learned how to swing a chair <laughs> 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 from balls. <laughs> that no, I can no. tell you that. I can tell you that, you know, that joke could swing a chair, you know what I mean. Uh, and so um, I was really like mesmerized uh, when I would see him, you know, come out and he be singing, you know, everybody's chanting, balls, 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 balls. I was like, wow. That was with all of the guys, though, all the all the people in, in ECW, man. I was like, because I knew it, I didn't know anything about ECW, but when I got in there, you know, I learned quickly. And balls, um, once we got together and everything, man, he was just, he was cool. Very cool guy. Very cool guy
0: yeah def, definitely definitely memorable in in terms of your um if you could if you could pin down the the origin of uh you know you had the everybody's home boy gimmick you're 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 getting over you're on tv you had some some pretty uh high uh profile matches what uh, did did you know at the time that, that you were catching on with uh with the fans and, and seemed to be being positioned in a in a you know a more and more high uh spot on on the card?
1: Mm, not really. I was I was really satisfied with just being a curtain drink. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you, I wasn't um the way ECW was struck was like you know you had your different um, sets sets you know like you had your top guys middle guys and then there were there were it was us the ring crew the ring crew guys and so um, it was just it was one of those things where uh, by the time I started thinking that maybe maybe a push could come then ecw was like going here you know with the money situation and paul rooms of paul leaving never a room of ecw closing but it was just we think paul is leaving but we don't know what's going to happen so at that time for me I mean, it was like hey I'm, I'm 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 off the ring crew i'm flying you know flying into different shows so so things must be getting better for me for you know the rumors of ecw those guys not getting paid it doesn't affect me because i was getting paid cash that's what i was thinking and so i was thinking well by the time everything you know settles maybe we'll be back to every you know people being back on contract and everything and so i was just looking at it as a positive thing not knowing uh, you know that the end was was there. You know, mm-hmm. and so um, when they started doing the you know the Chili Willy, um, everybody's favorite homeboy, I didn't think of it as you know I'm going to be the next ECW heavyweight champion. It was just I'm 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 just right here in my element. I'm just everybody's favorite homeboy. You know, I, if if I was doing the show and I was never main event. It was fine with me. That that was my take on it. You know what I mean? Um, going out first, going out during the middle of the show, that was that was perfectly fine with me. I, I had no, um, wasn't thinking about because like I said, I was green as as green could be. So just to be in the mix in ECW was good enough for me at the time. You know um wasn't looking to to, to elevate uh I, I felt like a couple of years being in, in ecw would probably help me to get to that status but um at that point i was just fine with just being a curtain jerker man <laughs> learning learning my honing my skills and learning uh you know how to wrestle and you know all that stuff you know
0: so can, can you talk about how you first uh, got to do some work in uh, the WWE right after ECW? Mm. And everybody's interested in if you have any engagement stories with uh, Vince McMahon. Um,
1: When did I do? I only did, I, I did dark match, two dark matches, I think. That's all I've ever done uh, in, these, in WWE. And both of those dark matches was with a good friend of mine named Pat Cusick, who wrestled. He was the indie guy. uh, He did some work also with WWE. Uh, And all of that was before. It was right at the end of uh, ECW era. And um, no, I didn't really meet Vince. I actually didn't even meet him doing a dark match. Uh, and that's one of those things, unless I guess they're going to sign you at that point. Uh, you don't, you go up, you do maybe someone like, I think Kevin Kelly at the time, he was in charge of something, but he's the one, he was the one who got me in to do the dark matches. And um, when you go into the arena that during that day, you go in like maybe 1, 12 o'clock during the day, you have a a section they have talent you know and then they have like the indie talent rooms in the back where you put your your, your your gear and so uh once you put your gear down then you go straight to catering and in catering is where you meet everyone or that's where everyone comes together you know to eat you know because you got to be there one o'clock or something like that 12 o'clock um and so all your stars come in, everyone. Maybe even Vince may come in, but you're not. <laughs> you're not gonna go up there and introduce yourself to Vince or whatever, unless he's standing right in front of you or right behind you while you're getting your food. You're not gonna go to his table where he, he's sitting there with Jim Ross, uh, uh, Michael Hayes, uh, Briscoes, whoever the big guys, you know. And so. You just get your food you keep it moving you find your table you know if someone comes to sit down and talk to you hello you know that's it but um when I did my dart matches and, and uh before I went to the military uh that that was how it was done guys like Kevin you know Kevin Kelly would come to me and he would tell you what's going on this is what you're gonna do you're gonna do this 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 and um, that was it. And I didn't meet Vince McMahon until after my mil- after I got out of the military, and I was getting signed to WWE. And I met him one night in Chicago. Um, met him. He was in it. Michael Hayes got. I got to the arena. Michael Hayes escorted me to the room. I think it was Michael Hayes or either John Lord Linus, One of those two. Uh, escorted me to the the office of Vince McMahon. He was eating sandwich, <laughs> sitting there just chilling, I had his legs crossed. And I'm sitting there thinking, whoa, this is Vince McMahon. I, I was marking out, you know what I mean? Out of all the people in the arena, I'm marking out because this is a billion dollar guy. You know, you're sitting there talking to a billion dollar guy. I'm like, yo, you know. And I watched this guy ever since I was a kid, you know, him first being a commentator and now he's the owner. I'm like, dang. You know, and so uh, I'm sitting down talking to him. eating a sandwich. And He was like, you know, thanking me for you know my service in the military, and uh, telling me how he, you know, glad that I'm there and they want to put me in. You know, I think Paul Heyman was there because Paul was really the one who got me uh, in in the WWE when I got out of the military. And so he was just saying, Yo, we, got, we want you to get your body right. Because I had a military body, you know, not, not muscular, you know, um, but not out of shape neither. You know what I mean? But, you know, when you sit there and, and talking to Vince, man, you know, he he knows what he's seeing right, right in front of you. And he's telling you, you know, in, in so many ways, get your body right, <laughs> get your body right. You know what I mean? No matter what, get your body right. So, and, um, did you, get it, you the, know?
0: did you get the impression he was referring to, like, get your body right? In other words, get on the gas?
1: No doubt. <laughs> Definitely get on the gas. You know what I mean? Because I was, I think I was in the military. I, was, I went in at 250. I came out around 240-ish, something like that. But, you know, with all the running and rucking and, you know, being in war, you know, you don't have time to really – You we work out, but it's not, like, you know, crazy. Um more more running and stuff like that so anyway yeah he was like know yeah, he went he said get your body right for television
0: that's exactly mm. the word
1: that was exact words and so I kind of I knew I knew what he was talking about and so uh maybe a couple weeks later uh, they they sent me Pritchard sent me a, a contract I signed the contract and I went to obW once I got the obW you know that's where you get your medicine. <laughs> that's where you get your medicine. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that, that's that's how he liked it. You know, that's how he liked
0: it. You know, and um, that was it. Did you, know? did you find that surprising, given the fact that you know he had gone through that uh, that steroid scandal and Doctor Zahorian, and ba- basically, it sounds like uh, the script never really changed. She never came right, right out and said. You know you need some wind or test or whatever, but <laughs> that was the uh that, that's the code, like get your body right or blah blah blah.
1: Yeah, he didn't say exactly you, you like I said, you had to read between the lines. Um mm. and and the thing was it wasn't like they they just usher that stuff into you, you know. What I mean you had to pay for it yourself, you know. What I mean, you it's your responsibility to do you didn't have to do it if you didn't want to. Um, but if you want to make that 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 type of money, uh, you have to look a certain way because that's what mm-hmm. you like. you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And um, you know they're not going to tell you if we want we we advocate this, we advocate that, but they're not going to deny it neither, you know what I mean. So it's it's, it's sports entertainment. You you got to get out there. You got to sell action figures. You know you can't sell no t-shirts, action figures with. You know, pot bellies and, and things like that, you know, unless you yokozuna, God bless the soul. But you know, it's it's that's just what they wanted, you know, that's what they're looking for. Um and, and and speaking on that, you know, it's it's different now how the wrestlers look versus back when I was growing up watching wrestling. Yep. You yep. know, when I was growing up watching wrestling, those guys like all of them looked like they were pushing 250, <laughs> 260. You know, mm. now it's like you got you get guys in there, 180, you
0: mm-hmm. know,
1: one one uh, under a hundred, under two hundred pounds, you know. Um, and so the times have changed when it comes to pro wrestling, um, when it when in the size, you know what I mean. So um, I don't know if it's good or bad. I just knew that when I was growing up, that's what got me also into wrestling, big bohemian, you know, Dino Bravo style, you know, um, Ivan Pusky you know those guys jack just all of them jack big you know mm-hmm. um and so now it's like everyone's looking like you know I don't know not everyone but a lot of them looking like models and things like that and it's like they look like gap models and things and, mm-hmm. you know which is not bad it's not it's not a bad thing it's just how wrestling has changed and and the dynamics of wrestling has changed and so even you, you see a guy like Kevin Owens people think oh why you gotta wear a t-shirt? You know, because back in the day, he wouldn't wear a t-shirt. He just, mm. he just go in his KO. You know, big, big belly, do his thing, and no one cared. You know what I mean? But now it's like, if it's if it's not the right type of looking body, cover it up. You know what I mean? And it's like, uh, that's just how wrestling. And, and me being a wrestler, when I wrestled, I always wanted to look like that. I always wanted to look like. guys who i seen coming up ricky steamboat you know flair so i always wanted to wear tights you know i i wanted my body to look right and then if there's times when my body didn't look right of course i'll put on a t-shirt or something like that but that's how it was
0: You, you mentioned your uh tenure in ohio valley wrestling which is uh you know the topic of uh, discussion right now, given that uh, Netflix docu series. Mm. I, I don't know whether you've seen it or not, called Wrestler. No, no. it's uh, it focuses on the uh, the current uh, day OVW under Al Snow's tutelage and you know the trials mm. and tribulations of being uh, an independent organization. Just just wanted to know back when when you were in OVW, did you? Would you characterize it as a, a positive or, or negative experience for
1: you? I, I thought it was positive. You know, my head wasn't right at the time, but, you know, I was in that class with Bobby Lashley, um, the Boogeyman, Death Phoenix, Julian Hall, um, you know, guys like that. Um, and so yeah, it was – how can I say coming from ECW now coming from ECW then going to Ohio Valley wrestling it was kind of something different because we didn't all the people that wrestled in ECW at that time you know we didn't have a school we we would talk you know differently or whatever from different people but we didn't have a mass school like that like a school where you know got 20 25 people in and 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 so we learned while we were or you honed your skills while you were doing the show at ecw and so going and when i went to obw you know nova was there also um as a student you know and it's like and i'm looking around like yo nova used to do like main events and stuff ecw and you know why i didn't understand you know i was like why why is he here? Why is he just not on the rock, you know, television doing his thing, which he was, um, but to to take a, a guys guys from other indie promotions and put them into a school like that school setting, like to retrain them all over again, to me, at that time it didn't make sense. It didn't make sense, you know, because I was I was coming from the military and I didn't know anything about OBW. It was something that just came up, and so. I just didn't understand why guys like that would just be in a school and then have to wait and get picked to go to the, to SmackDown or Raw. And uh, but now I understand because WWE have, a, have they have their own way of training and they have their own way of uh, wanting you to know certain things, you know, as not like before back in WWF. When they didn't have an OBW or you know school like that, you just throw you in there. But now with with the with the I guess the corporations and Mm. and all the big money and television and ads and stuff like that, you gotta look right, know your keys. And far as you know, we're going to commercial break. Here's Mm. this. Here's that. Here's this. You know, and so. I understood now. I, I I understand now. I didn't understand then, but I understand now.
0: Wanted to uh, have some uh, rapid fire questions uh, for you, just uh, from uh, social media and, and fan interactions. Uh, first one, I think you may have answered this one before about Kevin Kelly, but did you have any notable other um, road agent interactions in the WWE in the time that you were there?
1: Um. When I got signed, uh, Fit Philly was, I think, was going to be my agent. But I washed out before that could even happen. You know, um, I signed a contract with OVW. Then uh, before I could even really get my wheels off the ground, I was I was let go. Um, but I did, you know, I, I would get, you know, uh, during Christmas time, get cards from Fit Finley. So I knew that he was gonna wind up being—he was wind up being my my agent, and I wish I God I wish I would have learned from him. He <laughs> talked about mm-hmm. somebody that can go. Mm-hmm. That took him there. He could go. You know what I mean? Very underrated. Um, so yeah, that was that was it. You know, you you will see people like Barry Wyndham, Aaron Anderson at the time back then, uh, but I didn't interact with them. If you were not their age, if you if you were not up under them you really didn't interact this is very it was very strict i don't know how it is now kind of like it's just strict in a sense of knowing your knowing your role knowing your place being don't don't speak until you're spoken to type of place mm-hmm. you know um yeah you you see you see people you may know from the indies or whatever and yo what's up what's going on chilly blah, blah, blah. but if you really haven't met that person You know, you're just gonna back off. You don't want to say anything because any little thing that you say or do could get you in some heat. There, that's how I felt. You know, I mean, any little thing. They didn't, they didn't like you the way they didn't like when you looked or what you talked. You know, they it could get you heat. So, you know, while when they put up the ring before the, the, the. the venue opens. You know, you get in there, you practice your moves and practice and everything, and they they go over their 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 matches. And so you're allowed to go in there, and if if the top guys are in the ring, then you are outside on the apron just watching. You know, you don't you don't you don't mess around. If you're in the ring, this is how it was. If you're in the ring, if me and you are in the ring and we're talking about our match, and we're gonna do dark match, or we're gonna open up. We're not. On television, yet if me and you are already in the ring and we're just talking, and then someone like uh, someone that's on television, if those two people come in, you get your ass out the ring and let them do their thing, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's how that's how it is, and you know, but you, you know, you see guys like you know, Triple H come through, and Stephanie come through, and you know, John Cena, and them guys come through. and you know, you can introduce yourself. How are you doing? I'm, I'm William Jones. You know, you don't go. You don't go there. You say, "I'm chilly, Willie." I'm, I'm William Jones. You know, you say your name. You know, and everything like that. So, uh, just things like that. You have to really know your know your role. Like Rock says, you really got to know your role. It is just that minute up there that mm. you you really got to know your role. And, um, Yeah, you don't want to be out of line in 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 no aspect not want to be out
0: of line yeah nothing nothing worse than the uh the the legendary silent heat there you, <laughs> you you mentioned at the start of the interview that one of the uh folks that you watched growing up that was an input with ricky steamboat wanted to mm-hmm. to know uh about your experience working with uh ricky steamboat
1: jr oh you said I thought I thought you were talking about working with Ricky Steamboat himself. i would never met uh, Ricky Steamboat. Uh, I wish I had man. He was he was, you know, he's he's one of my idols too. His son, awesome. Um, we had a tag match in NWA Charlotte, and uh, I he was just a good guy. Could work, you know. Um, kind of remind you the young Ricky Steamboat. Mm. and i never knew to this day why he didn't make it you know what i mean i always thought that he was a, a sure foot in wwe or anywhere you know and i just i don't know what happened you know he right? had a, I, a
0: a very serious injury i believe it was his neck i could oh, be wrong okay. he put me okay. on the neck or back and it and that was it the doctor's okay. told me you can't can't do it anymore
1: uh, i was what i was wondering about it because after me uh my tag team partner uh the bounty hunter who's down in North Carolina a great guy uh me and him we, we went as the uh, american gangsters at that time um actually we had two gimmicks we had the 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 blacknecks <laughs> and then and then the american gangsters but uh yeah we wrestled in Charlotte there and uh man we we we, we worked with um junior And we were both like, man, we were impressed with him, you know. Good guy, guy, man. Very quiet, very nice. um, Very nice guy. Even in the back, man, he was just very nice, respectful, you know. And um, I was marking out because he was Ricky Steamboat's son. (laughs) I was like, this is the closest thing I get to Ricky Steamboat, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so um, it's just one of those things you never know what can happen in your life, you know me growing up watching Ricky Steamboat against Ric Flair, and then some, what, I don't know, 30-something, 40 years later, I'm wrestling his son. I'm mm. like, what the hell, you know? <laughs> so that was one of those things, man, that, you know, I was marking out really because of his dad, you know. So, But he was, he was a good guy.
0: Yeah, for sure. You worked with uh, Muhammad Hassan. Wanted to get your thoughts mm. on, that, on that very controversial gimmick. No, 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 I didn't work with them.
1: I think they were—they were trying. I think Paul told me at the time they were trying to do something with me, with him, because at that time I was still in the military. I was still in Iraq when they were doing that gimmick—the um, Muhammad the Hassan gimmick—and I think that was one of the reasons why. I think Paul had in his mind his vision. He tossed to to, to WWE guys, officials, you know, I got Chili Willie. He's just, you know, in the military. Just, you know, we can get him out of the military. Um, and maybe they could do something like that. And that's what I was told. But I never got a chance to work with, him, with uh, Muhammad Hassan. Um, it was unfortunate that I didn't stay in long enough. But, yeah, that was, I think, something on that lines. Uh, like I said, I thought it was sort of like, a, in my mind, I thought I, they were trying to do me like Booker T, like a GI bro type gimmick. Mm. Uh, because I remember I was still in the military. We had just got back from Iraq. I was in port from New York. They flew me, WWE flew me out, and my commanders in in, in the military allowed me to go out. Because I was still on the U.S. government contract. And you're not really wow. supposed to do that. So they let me out for the, the I think, two, two or three days. And WWE flew me out. Got me a ticket, got me a rental car, the whole nine. Uh, flew into Ohio. And then um, then the next night was Chicago. And both nights, um, no, one night they had me down to do a promo. Well, my commanders instructed them or me to tell them I'm not allowed to be on television, not allowed to do anything because I'm still up under the U.S. government contract. And if anything happens, then, you know, there's, there's some serious problems. And so, um, and plus at that time I was nervous as hell. I didn't want to do nothing, man. But I remember, the, I remember the Brooklyn Brawler at the time, he was, you know, agent whatever, and he was, hey, come on in. You're gonna, gonna do this. They gave me a script. I was supposed to read the script, and I went into this blue room, and I was gonna do it. I was gonna do a promo, and I remember Coach at that time. What's his name? Uh, Coach. Uh, I forget his last name. You know, Jonathan Coachman. John. Yes, 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 yes. He was there, and he was like, "Yo, brother," he's like, "Brother, you got this. You can do this. You can do this." And they wanted me to read the script about something, about something about military, and and. and and then I remember Sergeant meeting Sergeant Slaughter. I was I was really marking out, <laughs> really marking out. I was like, "Yo, this." Is and so he was right next to me, and he was talking to me. He was like, "Ah, so you were in the military, huh?" And uh, so maybe we we're gonna do this thing together, and, uh, and something, something. I was like, "Yo, this is Sergeant Slaughter talking to me." So um, yeah, but I never got a chance to to meet or do anything with Muhammad Hassan. um, I just knew that I was being slated for that because I was on contract um, at OVW, but I was getting roster pay, if that makes sense. Like a lot of guys Mm -hmm. down there were getting training pay, but my, my checks were like checks for being on the roster of, of raw, either SmackDown. I was getting nice, good money. And I hadn't even stepped in the ring. And I was like, yo. And I didn't know that until uh, one day, I think, Paul, uh, no, no Paul, uh, Tommy Dream pulled me to the side. And he said, he said, what kind of, what, what is your contract like? And I told him the X amount of dollars. And I said, why? Because I thought everybody was getting the same amount that I was getting. He's like, oh. he just looked at me like he said, huh? Oh. <laughs> and I said, what is that? He said, that's roster pay. He said, "You're we're, we're trying to fast-track you to either SmackDown or Raw. And um, I was like, yo, I went home. I was like, wow. And at that time, that's when I was really getting on the medicine. I was like, <laughs> I, was, I was trying to hurry up, man. I was like, oh, this is about to happen. <laughs> you talking about good vitamins? I was taking good vitamins then, boy. I was, you know, and so... Um, yeah, my, my pay was at that point. Uh, but yeah, I like I said, I watched up because I remember the, the day that I did a promo in the military uniform or whatever. And I didn't like it. And I told Paul Heyman, I said, I don't like this gimmick. You know, I don't know if you guys are going to call me Chili Willie, William Jones. What are you going to call me? You know, and they didn't really know. And so the next couple of days, that's when I got a call from John Loranitis. He said, Yo, Chili you know Vince doesn't really like your promo I you think you need some more work how about going down to Puerto Rico and at that time I, I said Puerto Rico I'm not going down there I as I just got home from Iraq because I, I went straight from Iraq I didn't even get time I didn't even give myself time to uh compress decompress I went straight from Iraq dropped my wife off at in North Carolina one day. The next day, got back in my car and went to Louisville. So I'm still in military mode, you know what I mean? And um, when they told me that, I was like, no, nah, I'll just go home. i just go back to North Carolina, you know. But they were going to try to work with me and, and send me to, to Puerto Rico for a while to see what happened there. But I was like, nah, I'm going home. Mm <laughs> hmm. <laughs>
0: You you worked with uh Johnny uh, Nitro the man Morrison the man had all the the uh the tools uh to be a world champion do you, do you have any idea why he never uh reached that uh, particular pinnacle who's this Johnny who
1: Johnny John Morrison?
0: Johnny Nitro jo- Oh sorry. Nitro Johnny is it, John, is it, sorry. Yeah, yeah, Nitro. yeah 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 you did yeah, work yeah, yeah. with Swinger of course yeah, yeah
1: yeah but Johnny Nitro you mean uh, yeah um he was done OBW Yes, I don't know. Great look could go. He could be like if you wanted him to do lucha, lucha style. Um, it, it's just one of those things, but I I just don't know what happened. You know, I mean, I thought he was gonna go straight straight to the top. You know what I mean? Um Great look. He could, he, he was he wasn't bad on a mic. You know. Um, you gotta understand, and in, in, in the viewers they have to understand that in in this business, it's like any other business. Some people get jealous. I think of certain individuals. Johnny, to me, had it all, man. You know why he's not. You know why have he's been champion. You know, beats me. But if Miz, and I'm not knocking the Miz, because Miz can work and Miz can put people over, and make you know. But so could Johnny, you know, John, John Horson was great. Man. He was good, you know, um, I don't know why he, they didn't give him a chance. You know, um, same thing with with Damian Sandow. You remember? Um, what's his real name? Yep, I forgot his name. Real nice to me when when he did that, that, that gimmick and they got him over. I thought, you know, hey, Aaron, Aaron, I think that's his, that's his name, Aaron,
0: Aaron, I, Steven.
1: Yes, Aaron I thought maybe, man, they're going to keep him. They're going to, you know, keep him and, and do something, give him a push. But for some reason, like I said, man, if they don't like you or some people are intimidated by you, you're not going nowhere. You're not going nowhere. So, you know, people look at it and they say, well, why didn't uh, someone like Lexi Evans get get a push, you know, get the thing that she wanted? Um, and she was military, she was former military. And so maybe something or something that someone didn't like, you know, railroaded her from getting to where she needs to get to. Um, and so it, it's just, a, it just depends on who you are. Um, and if certain people like you, certain people don't like you, that's just, it's just the name of the game. They really, it's, it's really like that. If they like you, you're in. If they don't, mm. you're not. You're not in, you know. And I don't know why you didn't get a push. You should have got a push then.
0: Yep, politics. Well, we're, we're coming to the uh, the end of our hour. But before, and I thank you for being so generous with your time, Willie. Before we do yes. that, we have one fan question. Uh, from Mr. Unknown, he wants to know, is there anyone you didn't get on with in ECW? You mean that I didn't,
1: that I didn't like? Yes, sir. Uh, no, I can't. I can't say. Nope. I, no one. there. Yeah, no one. I didn't have any issues with no one um, in ECW. You know, I knew my role. um and like I said, I, I didn't have, I didn't really interact with the top guys, uh, so that was maybe a good thing or whatever. There were some guys that you know they had, the, they they had their frictions because they've been there so long, um, but I didn't have, I didn't have an issue with no one. You know, I was just there to do my job, and, and that was it. Because I think if I would have had an issue with someone, it would have been known. Because <clears throat> I'm not that type of person that's going to have an issue with you and we don't figure it out some way, somehow, <laughs> you know, I'm not a tough mm-hmm. guy, but, but I'm not a punk either. So it's like, you know, if I got an issue with you, we gonna talk it out or we gonna do whatever we gotta do. And, you know, and so I didn't have an issue with me, you know, no one at the time. I just kept to, to the ring crew guys and was, was did, did what I was told and, and I had fun with it, you know, even though I was an older guy, um in ECW uh I was still young I was still a baby as a wrestler so I just took my baby steps and just kept you know <laughs> knew my role
0: <laughs> in terms of uh social media where can the the fans uh find you and do you have any upcoming uh, appearances or or things to get out there for the fans knowledge nope. i know you're involved
1: uh, in uh wrestling down there correct um uh, a little bit here in, in in the philippines um you know i'll go to the shows or whatever um but far as you know wrestling ring wrestling no i'm not doing anything like that i don't really um i'm not really on social media other than facebook that william chili willie jones um that's where you can find me at um and if when i do you know interviews like this you know so uh, i think i have one or one coming up on the 26th to 24th 23rd i think uh, of september here on facebook another one um but that's that's about it i'm not really active you know other than if people ask me to do an interview um yeah that's about it you know just just trying to try to, try to get my hand into some acting here in the Philippines. But other than that, that's about it. <laughs> well, man,
0: again, I appreciate your time and we will definitely uh, stay in touch and uh, keep on top of all your goings on. And do you have any final thoughts for the fans that remember you so fondly from your ECW run?
1: Oh, man, I just think each and every fan, each and every person that, you know, um, that that have seen me wrestle or follow me uh, back then up until now. I really appreciate you guys. And, uh, you know, we as wrestlers before, we could not do this without your participation also, you know, in in helping us and and spending your hard-earned money to come see us wrestle, you know. Uh, So um, if no one ever thanked you guys, I thank you from the bottom of my heart because you have made my life – you know, something great. I did something that I wanted to do as a chi- as a child, and uh, I did it. You know, I'm not a champion; never been a champion of you know anything, but in my world, in my own world, I'm a champion because I did it. You know, a lot of people go out and they say, uh, you know, I want to do this, I want to do that, but they never get a chance to do it, or they never stick to doing it. And so I just I just I just tell people, you know, hey, if there's something you want to do, you really want to do it, don't let nothing stop you from doing it. Just do it. Try it. Even if it fails, or you don't get to the level that you think you should have gotten to the level of, at least you tried it. At least you 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 make that step. So to all the fans out there, whoever, you know, if you ever wanted to do something, just do it. Don't don't worry about what other people think about you. Just do it. And then that way, you know, when 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 your life is is at a standstill or you're you know, almost at the end, I guess you can just say, hey, I tried it, I did it, and I made the best of it. So I well, thank you guys, each and everyone, and I thank you, Jack, for having me on, and uh, God bless all of you.
0: Well, thanks. Thanks again, Willie. It's uh, It's been great as always. Fans, that's it for this edition of the Cheap Heat Productions Wrestling Podcast. We will catch you next time, folks. Thank you.